Welcome to episode number 47 of the Ignite Physio Podcast. This podcast inspires physiotherapists and other health professionals to continue learning and growing in their practice and throughout their career. We explore professional issues with a fresh lens and look inward, delving into topics that help to expand our capacity for growth. I'm Andrew. And I'm Maxie. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. So... This week we're back in the lounge, back in the and, lounge. <laughs> and we've had lots of conversation and now we're diving into the podcast. We thought we'd circle back to this book we had mentioned in one of the earlier podcasts called The Lost Art of Healing, Practicing Compassion in Medicine by cardiologist Dr. Bernard Lowen. I've been working my way through the book rather slowly at times, but, but yeah, sometimes with these ones it does. There were some really great quotes that stood out as I was working through a couple of the chapters and shared it with Maxie and we were thought, you know, it'd be great to go through some of that today. It really touches on a lot of different things. I mean, the therapeutic relationship, physical touch, listening, all these kind of things. So I was thinking that like when we were in reading these quotes that you you pulled out, they're very poignant quotes, but kind of what occurred to me, you can sort of frame it in a how do we listen during a therapeutic encounter? Mm-hmm. What are the ways that we listen during a therapeutic encounter? And what are the implications of those ways? Yes. So listening with our ears, yeah. right, is one way that yeah. we do that in terms of picking up information that the person is telling us. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And the way is through our observations, yeah. right? Like a, yeah. observing the implicit behaviors of somebody. Yeah. And another way, and I think they're all kind of weave in and influence one another, is when we touch somebody or the use of touch during assessment and or treatment mm-hmm. and how we're listening with our hands, but also with those observations and then gathering more information mm-hmm. and listening when we're asking patients about what's happening mm-hmm. and maybe what comes forth when we touch somebody mm-hmm. and how conversation evolves yeah. with that type of of intervention yeah actually touching something yeah yeah exactly well why don't i read this paragraph here this is one of the paragraphs that starts one of the chapters in the book and i think that will help provide a little more context for folks who are listening in he's references another author lewis thomas in the youngest science comments wisely that touching is the oldest and most effective tool in doctoring the statement rings true for me i'm persuaded that touching a patient provides advantages to the internist as compared with the psychiatrist who sits removed and merely listens. Touching is a means of gaining significant insights. Frequently, the conversation at a first interview is impersonal. The relationship with the patient often alters dramatically after the physical examination. The remoteness dissipates, supplanted by comfortable, easy-flowing conversation. Material that was neither divulged nor suspected emerges without much probing. Questioning is no longer resented. A stranger a few minutes earlier opens up with intimacies usually earned only through long and trusting friendship. I don't know, I, I love that quote. I mean, I highlighted pretty much the entire paragraph. <laughs> but he just goes on to talk about how, you know, in the Middle Ages, you know, how listening took on a very personal form, even in terms of when they were listening to the heart sounds and that mm-hmm. way. They literally put up their ear to the, someone's chest, right? I mean, how much more, you know, personal does that get, right? And so he just goes on to talk about how, you know, with technology and advancements that we have lost some of that personal physical touch and using that as both a means of assessment, but also as something that can help us connect with the individual. Connecting, communicating. Yeah, I was, ah, there's so much. <laughs> so anyways, so that's, that's where we're starting today. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, because the first person, the other, the other physician that comes to mind, you know, we look at this quote, is Rogizi. He did that incredible TED Talk. 
about the power of ritual and touch and the, the relationship that that creates and that physicians need to really hold on to that because it is is a connector it's a bridge and and that is really important and i can't his first name will come to me but his last name is spelled v-e-r-g-h-e-s-e varghese and people out there there are probably folks out there that are listening that go yeah 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 write that ted talk yeah yeah so from that to take to take it into the ritual Mm -hmm. of the communication of credibility Mm -hmm. of you're assessing, you're paying attention to, you're attending to the physical, you're attending to what the person has told you is the problem. You're taking in that information Mm -hmm. and you're communicating as you go in terms of the observations that you're making when you're moving through that that physical assessment Mm -hmm. or treatment. And that that in and of itself, those all of weaving all of those things together is a way of listening Mm -hmm. and a way of communicating your expertise. Yeah as a clinician, yeah. communicating your care, that you're you're trying to understand that person and their wholeness, but the body is being a part of that wholeness. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I think what I, what I really like what he, he talked about in this quote is just this transformation that takes place through the power of touch, right? Yes. And, I, and I think that transformation of moving from a place of non-trust, distrust to trust and how important that is for that therapeutic relationship. And I just love how he, he weaves that into that paragraph. You know, he says, a stranger a few minutes earlier opens up with intimacies usually earned only through long and trusting friendship. And I think that that is, again, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think a lot of times we we underestimate the anxiety and and just physiological stress that can be present in someone where you're meeting someone for the first time. And I think what's been interesting is, you know, talking to some patients, I have, you know, one patient who was a retired doctor and she's had to go through the medical system recently and she just said how underwhelming the experience was for her and what stood out for me was it's different being in the patient's shoes right and i think that that we sometimes forget that right and we only come face to face with that again once we actually are in the the seat of the patient and because we're seeing patients all the time we almost we almost desensitize to that experience and realizing that there is a bridge that has to be crossed from non-trust to trust. And again, it's that listening on, as you said, those multiple levels, like it's the physical level, it's the, it's the actual auditory level that we're listening, but it's like all these different components have to come in together. Exactly. And I love how you said it's a bridge, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Has to be built. Yeah. And so if you're crossing something, you want to be crossing safely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And for some people, you know, it might be a little a little stream that's, you could, maybe you don't need this huge construction, but in, 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 with other patients, yeah. there's a raging, you well, know, exactly. rapids yeah. underneath it. You may not be privy to what's going on in, inside of that person. Yeah. And you do need to build that bridge yeah. in order to cross over to meet that person. And so... People probably get sick of me talking about safety in a <laughs> relationship, but really, it can be about that safety that's created with responsible, responsive mm-hmm. touch, mm-hmm. right? And yes. it can, it's not just touch. No. Right? It's responsive touch. Yeah. And it can be a, a space where you are actually addressing implicit safety 
So that neurophysiological fight or flight response where you're activating that um, social engagement system mm-hmm. neurophysiologically. So this isn't cognitive. Yeah. Right? This isn't something that is that. conscious. <laughs> yeah. You are bypassing that. You yeah. are going right to that implicit sense of safety and in creating that physiologically. So the patient down-regulates mm-hmm. their sympathetic nervous system. They go into a parasympathetic state. Yeah. And so when he's speaking to things get divulged that you maybe weren't expecting or more information starts coming out that is a part of that parasympathetic response because when we are in parasympathetic we socially engage yeah when we're in sympathetic we're not worried about social engagement we're worried about survival yeah right well exactly and so so that to me if i'm relating it to that Mm -hmm. sort of physiological model yeah right the polyvagal theory yeah i'm relating it to that He's basically outlined that in a very clinical way. Yes. Sort of yeah. what happens when a safety is created. Yeah. And touch can be one of the ways of cultivating that safety. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's interesting because it reminds me of the question that was posted on Ignite a while back about therapists questioning why other therapist colleagues are no longer incorporating touch, physical touch or physical treatment and their treatment of patients. And I, and I, it was interesting because I think that obviously the touch component is obviously crucial in the assessment stage, but I think we can't abandon that in our treatment, right? And and there's this whole sort of pendulum that's going on right now in terms of, you know, manual therapy, not manual therapy, all of that. But I think that this sort of is at a different level in terms of, yes, we have to create that safety in that initial visit, mm-hmm. right? But that's something that we also need to be doing on an ongoing basis, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think what, what blows me away sometimes is that, you know, we we come into, you know, a, a treatment session with a patient and we've got our plan in terms of what we want to do and, and we think that everything's going to be hunky-dory mm-hmm. in terms of the state that the patient is coming into mm-hmm. the session with, right? But they may be in a very different state than they were the last time we saw them or what we have come to expect of them over the course of our relationship, mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's where, you know, there may be a certain level of vulnerability, of fear, of sadness, any, any of these different emotions that may be coming into the experience of today's treatment that was not present before. And so physical touch can reassure that patient as much that initial assessment as it can on whatever visit that they're going through, right? Yeah. And, I, and I think that sometimes it's like, all of a sudden you're like, hang on a second, I've got to shift gears here, right? Because yeah. the patient's in, in a different space than yeah. I just saw them last week, right? Yeah. And, and that's why I think physical touch is crucial throughout the continuum of care, yeah. not just I engage in responsive touch during the assessment, therefore <laughs> I'm checking, I can check off that box, right? Yeah, no, exactly. It's not, it's not a, a box to check off. And I mean, I think we're positioning this within within musculoskeletal yeah. care, yeah. right? So a touch, just to take this off, we'll come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just to take this off in a different way. <laughs> but I'm just thinking about maybe, you know, when we're working with patients who maybe have more neurophysiological mm. conditions, that mm-hmm. how much does touch become a part of treatment? And so yeah. touch might be interpreted differently by those ones. Like, why are you touching me? Yes. Like, I don't necessarily yeah. need that. Yeah. Right? So it's yeah. appropriate touch. It's, it's Absolutely. touch yeah. where, where, you know, it's not just you're just going to necessarily touch everybody because you f- feel that's necessary. Yeah. So it's always gauged with, I think, within the boundaries of who you're seeing, mm-hmm. what the relationship is, and how pers- a person is responsive to touch, and how you're communicating why 
you know, touching somebody. Absolutely. Also. Yeah. I think that's yeah. it's really important to have the, that open communication. Especially now that we're in a context of the Me Too movement, yeah, yeah. right? Where it, there's heightened people, we, we have tra- trauma survivors, absolutely, that, that may not come in and disclose that they're a trauma survivor, yeah. But you need to practice in a sensitive way, yes. And so we need to be aware of why we're touching somebody, communicating that yeah. in a way that's that's not a rigid sort of, you know, I'm communicating this, so I'm protecting myself as a therapist, I'm communicating this because we are in a relationship, we're mm-hmm, developing a relationship, mm-hmm. and this is a negotiation and it's a constant negotiation. Yes. So I think it's important to also pull that context. Absolutely, in, yeah, yeah. With the patients that we're seeing. Yeah, because I mean, that can affect the bridge we have to cross with a patient. If we go back to mm-hmm. that metaphor, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, someone that's a trauma survivor, that bridge is going to be, you know, it's going to take more time to build, mm-hmm. right? And there's going to be more work involved in terms of getting across and creating that that trust and and all of that right but i think it's also too like you know when we are doing physical assessment how are we doing that physical assessment right i mean i think that you know i've seen therapists and i've been you know as a patient have been treated where you know you're sort of it's just this very mechanical type of evaluation and it's and it's very much of sort of this brusque type you know movement and you know, and even I think when we're holding someone's head, right? It's not a cantaloupe. It's not a cantaloupe, right? But I mean, you know, when we're looking and doing passive you know, movement assessment for the, the neck, you know, how are we doing that, right? And I think that to me, have we slowed ourselves down mm-hmm. in that just that moment before to say, okay, this is someone's head. <laughs> this is the most vulnerable part for someone to hold someone's head passively, you know, and yet we can very glibly do these movements and also then not tune into the response that we are getting. Absolutely. It's so utterly essential in terms of being present and receptive. Mm -hmm. That that sets the foundation for safety, right? Yeah. So you talked about, have I basically arrived, right? When I'm touching somebody, have I exhaled? Am I relaxed? Am exactly. I in a space yeah. that is relational, right? Yeah. Where where somebody's going to interpret because patients pick that up. They're picking it up implicitly. Oh, exactly. They're picking it up immediately. If you're if you're touching somebody like you're tossing around a cantaloupe, yeah. you might be paying more attention to the cantaloupes that you buy in the store <laughs> to see whether it's the cantaloupe that That's you right. want. Is it ripe right? enough? <laughs> is it ripe enough? You know, you smell it. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So I think that that it's so essential that we've arrived, that mm-hmm. we're embodied. Even it can be as simple as before you touch somebody, you exhale and you just relax and you, you arrive in your own body. And then you need to be receptive in order to see how is this person responding. And it's not, it's even before you go to touch somebody, it's as you start to enter their space yeah. because a trauma survivor, their spidey senses, their implicit safety is tuned in. Oh yeah. And so... Yeah. And they know they're in a space when they come to a physical therapist, they're probably expecting, I'm going to be touched, I'm going to be manhandled, I'm going to be, you know. They may have a lot of anxiety. they got a lot of things before going on, yeah. a lot of mental models yes. going on about what is going to happen in, yeah. that, in that treatment session, in that session with you. And so, so you need to be, actually, we need to be observing how the patient is just responding to our presence. Well, one of the ways that I find can really help you observe that is the breath, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Can you see a change in someone's breath Mm -hmm. as you're doing a physical, you know, evaluation or you're, you're, you're moving their knee, Mm -hmm. right. Or whatever. And does their breath change? Does their rib cage expansion change? 
Do you feel attention? Do you sense attention? You know, can, and, and the breath, I think, is such a good way because, again, to me, you know, and it's all sort of the pain science stuff, but it's in terms of like that implied safety, mm-hmm. if we're not feeling safe, we're going to move into that physiological stress, you know, response, fight or flight response. And our breath is going to change, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the more that we can be in tune with that, because mm-hmm. I just feel like that's such a, a great physiological indicator that we can actually observe, yeah. right? Uh, we don't know what's going on in their mind. We yeah. can't, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, we, we're not assessing their heart rate as we're, <laughs> as we're doing these things. But the breath is something we can generally observe pretty well, right? I mean, we can see yeah. what's happening, you know, throughout their entire trunk and their mouth and whatever. And it's amazing because the patient often won't even pick up on that. Hey, I just wanted to have a quick pause to introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, Soul. They're off-the-shelf moldable insoles, and it's the brand of insoles that I recommend to my patients and have for years. The reason I recommend them is that they're heat moldable by the patient, they've got a great arch support, and they come with options to help with different foot issues. It's really easy for customers to order, and when you refer them to Soul, they get free shipping and 10% off. Make sure to check them out at yoursoul.com forward slash health dash professionals. That's Y-O-U-R-S-O-L-E dot com forward slash health dash professionals. All right, back to the show. Now, like you're holding your breath. Yeah. And they won't know that they're holding no. breath. And so then it becomes about, because we think that consent is, okay, I've got your verbal consent. That's not... It's not the whole picture. That's not where it ends. (laughs) No. The consent of of when you touch somebody, if they retract, they're not consenting. Their brain might be telling you, I need to say I'm consenting, but their body is saying, no, I'm not consenting to this Mm -hmm. from the way it's being done or the pace that it's being done. Exactly, yeah. And so when we pick up those things, that is where then we need to be going, hmm, okay, you you seem a bit hesitant. Yes. Right? How can we work this? Are you okay with? And let's just work through this more slowly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a sense of bit of tension or fear just around me touching you. You know, let's just go a little bit slower. Yeah. Right? And then continually engaging that person as you're going through going, is this enough? Yeah. Or is this too much? Yeah. Right? We can back off, yeah. you know? It's all right to, to for us to do this and giving them permission to actually giving them permission to be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give yeah. that fear a little bit of space because I think once we do that, then you know oftentimes it'll just the volume will get turned down on that first mm-hmm. Well, that's two things. One, I think, is, is is what you're saying is that there's this invitation to dialogue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is when you observe that change in their physiology and their in their anatomy, this is an opportunity. This is a door, right? Is a door to say, you know what? It seems like you're holding your breath, or it just seems like you're maybe a little bit uptight as I'm doing this. Can you help me understand why? Yeah. Right? Allow the patient to to express what's going on because they have may, may have never put that into words before. Yeah. That was one thing that I thought was, you know, I think that's what we're talking about here yeah. is like, let's use what we perceive and observe in someone's body experience, yeah. which they may not even be dialed into yeah. okay. as an opportunity, as an invitation mm-hmm. for dialogue. And I, and I think that that to me now, all of a sudden, like when we talk about that third space, right? I think we're giving an opportunity for us to be able to explore that third space yeah. and giving the patient an opportunity to do that. And they may realize things that they hadn't had never even realized before, right? Yeah. Well, and do you want to know what? So it's about the patient, certainly. But I get so, like, when we start talking about this stuff, I go, oh, I miss that. 
Yeah. That's the part about clinical practice because I'm not directly treating patients right now. Yeah. That's the part that I miss. Yeah. Is that slowness, that coming together, that intersubjective space where you're connected with somebody. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you know that you're having an influence in somebody's experience that is a positive influence that mm-hmm. maybe is a missing experience for them mm-hmm. that they haven't had maybe in a very long time. And you are creating an environment and a space where they can feel safe, maybe for the first time in a long time. And be conscious of that safety. Yeah. Right? Well, exactly. Be conscious yeah. of that relationship. And that is such a moving, powerful thing to be able to do. Yes. And that's, when people ask me, so do you miss treating? That's what yeah. I miss. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's what I miss the most, I think. Which makes me think of another tangent. <laughs> is that, and we've talked about this before, but, you know, when we give that space for the patient, we are accessing the body you know, or the patient is accessing the their body experience in order for healing to take place, right? And there may be emotional, spiritual, psychological healing that takes place through our hands-on assessment slash treatment yeah. that can only happen through the body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I think that sometimes, you know, yes, we are working on the physical, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that giving that space for the patient to actually be able to even just tune into what's going on can open a door to not only physical healing and safety, but that safety that may touch them at a deeper place than they would have experienced any other way. Some people need that more. Like there's some people who on a very primal level or, or, or for whatever reason, that is an important part of their experience. Mm-hmm. It may not be for everybody, no. but for some people it is. And so I think that how you go about assessing that or figuring that out, that's a that's a part of the whole mm-hmm. beauty of the, the dance. Compl- the yeah. dance is yeah. a part of the complexity of the relationship. Yeah. So I think that, you know, for us to say, well, you can follow an algorithm and if somebody does this or yeah. says this or yeah. blah, 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 then yeah. you know this, you don't. No. That's why being present, being receptive and engaging dialogue and negotiation with the patient throughout, I think is is where then you start to learn about that person yeah, and their yeah. needs. And I think maybe, I don't know, there's a part of me that's saying in the back of my head that, that some people might be thinking, but, 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 I don't have time for that. Or that's going to take up too much time. Or yeah. like there's that, they're the mental models that we have around, around care and time. I think that's a bit of a myth, right? Because when we're talking, now we're not talking about sitting and saying, okay, person, you know, patient, tell me everything there is to know about your life. We are talking about integrating something that is very implicit into your practice and being more present, more receptive, and negotiating with the patient, which is what we should be doing anyway. Right? Yeah. And should the patient reveal more or whatever? But but it's not about even probing. So for those therapists that are afraid that, well, if I start to listen too much or to ask too many questions, I'm going to get information that I don't know how to deal with Mm. or I don't... That's another conversation, right? But what we're talking about and actually what we do Mm -hmm. as physical therapists and touch as a component of what we Mm -hmm. do, this is a way of, it's like peanut butter jam. It's like, this is, this is a way that we actually engage with patients relationally Mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And if we do it really well, and for those therapists who are saying, I already do that, that's the first yellow flag that I have that you probably should be more, pay more attention to mm. what you're doing. <laughs> 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 That's right. 
I think we all, this is a journey, Mm -hmm. right? This is really, and every patient is unique. Mm -hmm. We may have certain schemas that we operate under that, Mm -hmm. that we can start to filter information through. So as we gain more experience with beginning to, to make decisions within the clinical interaction because of our experience and and how we've paid attention Mm -hmm. throughout, but you can't get to that point without being ultimately without being starting to cultivate your own presence and your own receptivity within the clinical encounter. Yeah. And I think that it's true. Like, you know, if you're, if you say observe someone breathing changes as you're doing something and you, you invite them to, you know, ask them what's, Mm -hmm. what's going on here for you, that doesn't have to be a five minute conversation. Right. And I don't think it necessarily should be right. I think it, I think it could very much be like, Oh, well, actually, yeah, I am. I'm a little bit anxious about you moving my neck like that. Right. And then it's, what do we do differently? And 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 that negotiation that you were talking about. Okay. Well, you know, is it okay? Should we just, I'll just go a little bit slower here, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, you know, you know, I think that that to me is sort of like, and again, I am not, I do not know how to dance, right? <laughs> like anyone that yeah. has seen me dance says, do not do it again. Yeah. But I think there is that, that rhythm, that, that flow that you, you are adapting within the context of that relationship, which ultimately, as you said, I think we have to be doing anyways, yeah. right? Because if we don't, it's like bulldozer just driving, plowing right through. Well, there's going to be collateral damage yeah. in that. Yeah. Maybe not, you know, in every patient experience, but there are going to be those patients where you have missed warning signs along yeah. the way. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And and you're missing out on a prime opportunity to develop relationship. Yeah. And so, I mean, the way you touch somebody also demonstrates your credibility yeah. to that person. Yeah. And some people are, I think, probably touch better, like just having more of a natural affinity to touch yeah. than others do. So for some people, it may be a skill yes. that you need to develop in terms of how you're touching. And it might be that actually being present changes the way you touch. So, you know, it's not so much about practicing your touching skills. It's practicing your practicing presence, presence. <laughs> yeah. right? That's right. Yeah. And how you are different when you are, like we've alluded to before, if you're rushing, mm-hmm. how does that change mm-hmm. the way you touch? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that sometimes patients will also have this stoicism about them. They're like, well, no, I shouldn't, I should be okay with what's happening or I should yeah. be, I should, oh, that hurts. But you know what? I guess that's, this is part of the process or, yeah. you know what I mean? And they, they almost, they almost don't want to allow themselves to rec or acknowledge that maybe actually I don't feel comfortable with how you're yeah. moving my head. I'm just taking that as an example. Exactly. Right. But yeah. you know, it, and so I think that that becomes a little bit harder to dive into with a patient. Yeah. But I think that we still have this gateway in terms of the breath and, and mm-hmm. observing how the body responds yeah. that will be present. Because I mean, the thing is physiologically, they're still not going to feel, there's going to be a heightened response to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though cognitively they may say, Oh no, this is no. exactly. And that's where we have to tune into those implicit responses yeah. that even the patient may not be aware of. And working with that and negotiating that and observing yeah. do something differently. How did that influence the way a person's body is responding? Yeah. Yeah. The way the breath is responding. Even them, oh, I'm not breathing. Okay. Right. And they let go. It's that observation. It's making contact. So yeah. it's contacting what you're observing and then working within that with yeah. the patient. It's a lot of good stuff here. All right. So, do we want to do we want to touch on uh, history taking, or do we want to leave that for for the next episode? Let's <laughs> <leave that laughs> the next okay. Episode. <laughs>
<laughs> that might take us down that a few more okay. rabbit take holes. Us down some rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the rabbit holes, but another session would probably be good. Sounds good. All right. Well, that uh, that wraps up our our conversation today. And I would say, you know, the the key sort of takeaway or you know maybe challenge, you know, in terms of your own practice is to just observe, do an out breath before you touch a patient, right? Mm-hmm. Before you assess a part of their body, whatever they're coming in for, and then just observe what's happening with their body, their response, and and listen to that and adjust and and see if you can, you know, invite conversation and change with that. Yeah. I would say that would be... Yeah. Figure out how, how you need to, to, to get present, a cue for yes. yourself, yeah. for your own presence, and notice how that, you know, impacts the way you feel about engaging yes. and also influences the way you, you, you handle, you know, patients in touch, yeah. maybe yeah. even the way they respond to you. Yeah. That's going to be unique for various situations, things that you can't control, but you can control how you enter in to a relationship. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, stay tuned for the next episode. We'll dive more into this. (laughs) All right. Take care. All righty. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's uh, great having you on the show today. Now, if you've been enjoying the new show, I'd love for you to leave a review on iTunes as this just helps more people find out about the podcast and we'd love to to get your feedback. And if you want to check out the show notes from the podcast, just go to ignitephysio.ca forward slash podcasts. And if there's any topics that you want us to cover, just shoot us an email at hello at ignitephysio.ca and we'll make sure to get back in touch with you and, and see what we can do there. So anyways, thanks for joining us on the show today. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.